It's been 20 years ago now. I attended a pastor's meeting that had a profound effect upon my life and my ministry. Our church is uh, dual affiliation. We're both Southern Baptist and ARPCA. Uh, Southern Baptist loosely, ARPCA tightly. But during this time, it's been 20 years, uh, we had a weekly pastor's meeting, and we would share a, a lunch together, and then there would be a guest speaker. On this particular day, uh, one of the large local Southern Baptist churches had just recently called a new pastor, and he was the designated speaker. And I have to admit, my expectations were not high. Uh, but he came to the podium and he shared a question that the pulpit committee had asked him uh, as they were interviewing him. And the question was this, what will your, goal, your pastoral goal and vision be should we call you as our pastor? Well, my mind immediately began spinning pondering what he would possibly answer. And perhaps you're wondering as well, what did he answer? Uh, did he share the unveiling of new programs to increase attendance and church growth? Uh, after all, modern pastors are expected to be innovators and church growth strategists, marketeers, program architects, youth leaders, and the list goes on and on and on. So what would he answer? Well, his answer, and again, it's not all that profound, but it made me think, and it has really been the directing force in my ministry since. I'd, I'd been in pastoral ministry 10 years before that, but a very profound effect upon my life. And it was simply this, quite simple. My goal for the future is to finish well. Uh, which is very interesting for a pastor to say that's come to a large program-oriented church, for him to tell the pulpit committee, I just hope to finish well. Is there a higher goal than we can strive for as pastors? Uh, I think this was at the very heart of the Apostle Paul's words when he spoke, and my text this morning is... 2 Timothy chapter 4, very familiar passage, wonderful passage. He, uh, beginning with verse 5, and he's uh, writing to young Timothy and talking to Timothy, he says, But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This morning I... Uh, of course, these words can be directed to every Christian and should be. Uh, every Christian is on this journey. But I want to speak particularly this morning to pastors. And I, I really think the apostle is directing this specifically to pastors because he, he speaks to Timothy 
And he tells Timothy, fulfill your ministry, press on, finish the race, and then as if to say, and I have completed mine. And so he makes three basic statements. There's a fight to be fought, a course to be finished, and a faith to be kept. Uh, And again, I'm speaking primarily to pastors this morning, and as I look out among you, I see uh, many among you that I consider uh, far above myself. If if we were to be in the heavenly line, you'd be so far out ahead that I uh, could barely see your outline. Uh, but understand this, uh, as we consider finishing well, you cannot say that you have finished well until until you have reached the end and have finished well. And there are many pitfalls along the way, and we are always in danger. And so I speak this morning to new pastors and seasoned pastors as well. So first of all, there's a fight to be fought. Uh, the word here refers to an intense struggle. Uh, Paul loved metaphors, and he often wrote with uh, rich imagery. And one of that was uh, that of warfare, of soldiers marching, of uh, swords clanging, of fiery arrows uh, filling the sky. Uh, the Christian life is a warfare of endless battles. We're told to put on the full armor of God. Uh, this is particularly true for the pastoral ministry. Now, there's really no greater vocation upon the face of the earth. Now, I'm speaking as a pastor, and perhaps I'm prejudiced, but I'm, I'm, I sincerely believe there is no higher vocation upon the face of the earth. We are dealing with the eternal souls. No other, vac- no other vocation can claim this. Uh, we are dealing with weighty matters. It is a noble profession. It is a high profession. Uh, when the apostle describes the qualifications for this profession in 1 Timothy 3, he says, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Uh, it's the adjective kalos, and it has many translations, but it can mean beautiful, excellent, honorable. The ESV translates it noble. In uh, the first chapter of 2 Timothy Paul, actually referring to the gospel, uses the word to translate treasure. Uh, The pastoral ministry is that kind of vocation. Interestingly, it's the same word that he uses here, I have fought the good fight. Uh, It's an excellent fight. It's a good fight. And the pastoral ministry is an excellent vocation. But it is also one of the most difficult professions or vocations. I hate to use the word profession. There are relentless attacks from the wicked one. Uh, Every pastor knows the reality of opposition on countless fronts. We know the pain of losing a family over some trivial matter. Uh, And perhaps worst of all, the constant threat of false doctrine uh, that can claim any one of us. Uh, uh, It's particularly painful to see a a brother that we looked upon with respect and to see them go off uh, the doctrinal deep end. 
Paul writes to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, uh, verses 28 through 30, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. They didn't finish well. The internet... And social media is often no friends to the pastoral ministry uh, with continual false information, continual false doctrines being uh, put forth on the Internet. Uh, Paul has declared here, I have fought the good fight. He never allowed pastoral struggles to deter the propagation of the gospel. He spent his entire ministry ever vigilant of the threats that could derail his ministry. I have fought the good fight. Second of all, there's a course to be finished. Now, the and of course, he's talking about a race here. You can envision, again, Paul loves metaphors, and he has in mind here an athletic event, and there's a race to be finished and a particular course to maintain. He says that I have finished the course. And so there's a, there's a course to be finished. The pastor is always in danger of going off course. Uh, History is filled and littered with those who did not finish well. Even going back to the Old Covenant and looking at the kings, there were uh, often kings that lived well but didn't finish well. Asa, Jehoshaphat, Solomon. An alarming number of pastors leave the ministry each and every month. I read one statistic that Among those entering the pastoral ministry, of those that are actually in the pastoral ministry at the end of their vocational life, it's one in five. That means four out of five do not finish at all, let alone finish well. Many of those who actually make it to the end only do so because there's really nothing else they can do. They don't actually finish well. And as God told Cain, sin is always lurking at the door, always a danger. We must always be watchful at all times. We we must be careful to set before young men uh, uh, reality, uh, the proper expectations for pastoral ministry. Uh, Burnout is so common, and I think often it's common because young men entering the ministry do not have realistic expectations of what the pastoral ministry looks like. We all know that pastors are shepherds of God's people, biblical teachers and expositors rightly applying God's word to the congregation of saints, but many are unprepared when they face the day-by-day reality of the pastoral ministry. They enter the ministry with visions of sitting in your office all day with the sound of air conditioning humming in the background, and you're there all day with your favorite books, and you're studying the Bible, and then you go to the pulpit on Sunday morning and preach to a congregation of hungry souls waiting to receive the word of God. But they soon become annoyed 
by the distracting details of pastoring a small congregation. And most of us in Reformed churches are pastoring small congregations. By the way, the the pastor of the congregation that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, who spoke on that day, he has, or had, he's no longer there, he had 48 staff members. Uh, the church I pastored, we don't even have 48 members. Uh, <laughs> most of us will be in small congregations, and uh, most of us uh, will be the only vocational elder in our congregation. We have two elders. I'm the only vocational elder. And this is true. There are very few congregations that can actually sustain more than one vocational elder. And so the pastor in a small church soon finds the demands to be almost overwhelming. Uh, They become annoyed when contacted by the sheep. It's been said pastors need to have sheep wool on them. You have to be involved with your people. You have to be in the congregation. You have to be among them. Uh, There are countless hospital visits and emails and phone calls and uh, uh, personal meetings, sometimes over breakfast or lunch. And then there are the endless administrative tasks that seem to go on and on and on. I'd love to have an administrative secretary, uh, but such things are not luxuries for most Uh, there's unending things that come up during the day that I'd love to be behind my desk studying, but there's that toilet that just quit functioning that someone's got to take care of, so I put on my maintenance hat. And you know the drill. Uh, Young pastors need to be given realistic expectations of what the pastoral ministry can sometimes look like. And then there's the reality of dealing with criticism. Uh, The pastor will have to deal with difficult individuals, some of which can be quite savage while believing that they are in the right. Paul spoke of Alexander the coppersmith who did him much harm. Every pastor will experience such, and some pastors become so weary that it just becomes overwhelming and they fail to finish the course. Many just throw up their hands and become insurance salesmen. Uh, It's a a much gentler profession. Well, then there's a faith to be kept. And what is this faith to be kept? Well, on one hand, uh, our minds immediately go to saving faith, uh, to the faith of the Christian, and it does include this, uh, a robust faith in our Savior, a confidence in his presence, a confidence in his promises. Uh, there are times in the pastoral ministry when Christ is all we have, and he is sufficient. So um, it does include that faith, but I think that I don't think that Paul is referring to Christian faith here. I know the, the presence or the absence of the definite article is not always significant in our translation, but I think it is here. I think here Paul is referring to the faith. In other words, that which pertains to the essence of biblical Christianity, the objective truths of the gospel, those that we must stand upon. We must be firm in the faith. There is a faith to be kept. Now, Paul charged Titus to avoid the non-essentials. He says in Titus 3.9, 
But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Well, there are countless non-essentials and endless movements that can overtake our ministry. Uh, I could give you a list, but there are so many and they're ever-changing. And every one of you know the various movements that are continually rising and falling. Uh, that can quickly overtake us. We are not to uh, allow these things to overtake us. Uh, constant threats to biblical truth. And again, the Internet is so often the source of false teaching. By the way, this is why uh, subscription to a historic confession of faith can protect us and keep us focused. Uh, we should always strive to be gracious and patient, loving, avoiding the temptation to be controlling or hyper-authoritarian. But there are some points of doctrine that are absolutely non-negotiable. And upon these we must stand, even if it means leaving our pastorate. Pastoral ministry can be a very hazardous vocation. But a pastor must maintain his integrity and his faithfulness to Christ. There is a faith to be kept. Peter supplied good counsel here. Peter says, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, but be of a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith. Uh, the article is there again, and again, I think it's significant here. I think it's to be translated, I just read from the New American Standard, uh, where it translates it, resist him firm in your faith. I, I really think it should be firm in the faith. Uh, again, there's a faith to be kept. So in my uh, final couple of minutes, what counsel can I offer this morning uh, as we consider this weighty matter of finishing well. Uh, let me give you several really quickly. First of all, maintain the centrality of Christ in every aspect of your ministry, in every aspect of your church. Uh, I often say that the cause of every difficulty in the Christian life and every difficulty in your church almost always can be traced back to a losing of the centrality of Christ. Maintain the centrality of Christ. Uh, seek him in all that you, all that you do. Understand that you are serving him, as our brother pointed out yesterday morning. As you go to the pulpit, recognizing, I, I love the, the old statement, when the, when the word of God is faithfully preached, it is Christ preaching, and I always say, oh Lord, would you preach through me this morning and glorify yourself? And so we must maintain the centrality of Christ. Second of all, remember your calling as a pastor. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. We believe in the inward call of God as well as the outward call. So remember God's call upon your life. 
Now, sometimes the remembrance of God's call upon your life will keep you pressing on even when things become difficult. Now, thirdly, maintain office hours. Is that basic? Uh, maintain office hours. Be at your desk. Be working. I, I stated a few moments ago, you know, there are so many things that pull us away, but that may not necessarily be the golf course. Uh, so maintain office hours. I attended a conference years ago, and during the Q&A time, John MacArthur was there, and a young guy stood up. He said, Dr. MacArthur, can you offer any counsel to young men entering the pastoral ministry? And he said this, typical MacArthur. He said, quote, keep your butt in the chair until you've thoroughly dealt with the text. Uh, that's good counsel. Stay at, the, stay at the desk. Stay working. Give yourself to it. Don't give in. Uh, maintain office hours. Fourthly, guard your life carefully. Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Many a pastor has fallen into ministry-destroying sin. Guard your heart and your life, particularly around members of the opposite sex. Uh, guard your, your heart carefully. Uh, guard your heart zealously against pride. Uh, that's that fiend that's always within us, that terrible enemy that's always there. At one moment, Satan seeks to crush us by telling us how worthless we are, and then the very next moment, he seeks to crush us by telling us how wonderful we are. Uh, it's, uh, there's the, of course, there's endless Spurgeon stories, but there's one where he preaches and he comes down and a lady meets him in the back and, and she says, Mr. Spurgeon, you have to be the most wonderful preacher that ever existed. And he says, Madam, Satan whispered the very same thing in my ear just a few moments ago. <laughs> Our pride can cause us to give greater attention to the recognition of men than to the souls of men. Our pride can cause us to refuse to hear the counsel of others. Our pride can cause us to abuse our authority. Guard your life carefully. And then finally, remember your devotional life. If you are to finish well, it is necessary that you begin each day well. Uh, maintain a robust uh, devotional reading of the Word of God, not just reading your text that you're going to preach from, but a devotional reading through the Scripture. Pray, read other books. There's a fight to be fight, a course to be finished, a faith to be kept until the end. A uh, quick quote from Robert Godfrey writing on John Calvin's last days. He says, by early 1563, he at times was unable to walk due to gout and arthritis. In early February 1564, he gave his last lectures and sermons. Calvin prayed that his mind would remain clear to the end so that he could work. From his bed, he continued to dictate letters and his final commentary on the book of Joshua. His fellow minister appealed to him to get more rest, to which he responded, what? Would you have the Lord define me idle? He was interested in finishing well. While I'm out of time, there's one final point, and I won't elaborate on it, but there is a crown to be won. 
which the apostle says here, I'll close with 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Press on, my brothers. Uh, maintain a healthy, robust ministry. Keep Christ central in your ministry and finish well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you bless us now? Uh, bless these, uh, these brethren. Help us to finish well. In Jesus' name, amen.